0: Welcome to the Statesman Journal's Explore Oregon podcast. I'm your host, Zach Arness, and in each episode, producer David Davis and I highlight Oregon's most beautiful and interesting places. This podcast is brought to you by the American Forest Resource Council, supporting responsible forestry on public lands throughout the Pacific Northwest. Learn more at amforest.org. In this edition, we're doing a mini-podcast on a beloved Oregon town that was once named for starving pioneers who resorted to eating their dogs. But first, here's some guitar music to get us rolling. All right, David, so in this episode, we are going to try something new called a mini-podcast. It won't be the deep dive we typically do on Oregon's most beautiful and interesting places. Instead, we are picking a random but really interesting tidbit about an Oregon destination and using that as a launching point to talk about all the best adventures nearby. Our main source material is the legendary book, Oregon Geographic Names.
1: Yeah, Oregon Geographic Names is the product of a father and son, Lewis and Lewis L. MacArthur, which provides the history for over 6,000 major place names in Oregon. It draws on a huge range of sources from pioneer journals to newspaper accounts from the 1800s. It's not every place in Oregon, but it comes pretty close.
0: 6,000 places is a lot. Like, that's a lot of places Well, and it's everything
1: from cities to counties to streams to minor
0: outcrops. I mean, it's the most random places you can think of. So I guess what we're saying is that if you've ever been anywhere in Oregon and wondered about the name, like, why is the Snake River called the Snake River? Or, who in the world was John Day? This book has the answer. It's filled with a million awesome tidbits. And that brings us to the town of Hood River.
1: Okay, so we're going to step back a minute because we're going to talk about Hood River, the stream, to start. Its original name was Labish River, named so by Lewis and Clark in 1805. They named it for Francis Labish, who was a member of the Corps of Discovery. So it's kind of interesting, but it didn't stay that way.
0: Yeah, there's a million places that have that sort of name to start with, but the really interesting part came next. So Labish River just didn't stick, and instead the river became known as Dog River. And the reason, very sadly, to quote the book is... In pioneer days, some travelers, being in a starving condition, ate dog meat near Hood River. And the name Dog River was the result.
1: Yeah, you think about, you know, the Oregon Trail and Western migration that saw thousands of folks journeying out with sort of varying levels of preparedness. It makes sense that Dog would eventually make the menu at some point.
0: And look, I mean, they're traveling over a vast desert to get there. I mean, you're going to do whatever it takes to, to get to that fertile Willamette Valley and... Look, you know, got to do what you got to do, but the river and the subsequent town that sprang up did not remain Dog River for that long because, look, that is a pretty depressing name for a river in town. So, again, to quote the book, later on, Miss Mary Coe, a well-known pioneer resident of the valley, objected to the name Dog River and succeeded in changing local usage to Hood River on account of Mount Hood, its source. The Hood River appears on maps by 1852, and the name Dog River was relegated to a small tributary that flows into the Hood River. So the grim name endures, it's just been relegated slightly down. My question for you, do you think Hood River becomes the tourist mecca it is today? You know, full of the brew pubs and awesome outdoor athletes if the town had remained Dog River? I mean, can you sell Dog River as the gateway to Mount
1: Hood? Uh, I mean, I think today it might be a grand marketing opportunity, but, you know, as far as as it was growing, probably kind of a depressing sort of way to stake your place in history.
0: I mean, I think about all those restaurants that, like, people are traveling through and they, like, read the little thing that has the the history. (laughs) They're like, oh, that's depressing. I just lost my appetite. All right, so despite the sketchy history, Hood River has become one of Oregon's great recreation towns known for windsurfers and Columbia Gorge hiking trails and all those awesome brew pubs. We are going to pick two of our favorite activities around Hood River. You go first.
1: Probably my favorite activity to bring folks who haven't visited the area before is a visit to the Mosier Twin Tunnels. They sit on a stretch of the historic Columbia River Highway that's closed to cars, and it gives you some of the best views of the gorge in a really adaptable package for a hike or an easy bike ride.
0: Yeah, it's super
1: cool. The whole thing is about five miles from Hood River out east to Mosher. You can tailor it to pretty much any audience by starting at either end for an out and back or doing a shuttle. There's fields of wildflowers and spots. The namesake two tunnels were dug through some rocky points and they provide a a great place to take a quick, cool break kind of from the sun. And really, again, just amazing views at every turn. As such, you can be a little busy during peak summer weekends, but I found weekday visits are still pretty nice.
0: It's a really cool ride, especially for kids, because the grade is pretty good. It was actually designed because it had to be for Model Ts, so there's no really steep incline at all. So it's good for kids, and when you reach those tunnels, especially if you're coming from the Hood River side, like you pick up speed and then whoosh through those tunnels, and when you're a little kid, you're just like, whoa, this is super cool. Like it's, it's just a great spot for kids. Yeah. How about you? Yeah, well, my first choice is going to be whitewater rafting on the White Salmon River, which is just across the bridge from Hood River. The White Salmon is the single best rafting trip in the Pacific Northwest. I know that sounds like hyperbole, but it's honestly true. So the river is basically a lava tube with ice blue water that rolls right off of Mount Adams. It's one of the only places where outfitters will take clients off a pretty large waterfall. It's called Hewsome Falls, and it's legit 12 feet tall. So if you ever want to see people look super terrified, just head to (laughs) to this viewpoint at the falls. And I'm not kidding. You get to watch like people on a corporate like team building trip get like launched (laughs) off this giant waterfall, go completely underwater and then sometimes fall out. So it's all pretty fun stuff. If you want something even crazier, crazier than a river being named for pioneers eating their dogs, you can take a guided rafting trip to a section called the farmlands. Now this is easily the most terrifying commercial trip in the Northwest. They take you down these major class five rapids set in these big vertical cliff walls. It's like being on one of those crazy log rides at the amusement park, except that it's a real river. There are no straps and there's just a lot more consequences if you fall out. So that's my first pick. What's your second pick?
1: All right, so I'm a big fan of the Hood River Valley. It sits just to the south of the town of Hood River. It's home to another triumph of marketing, the Fruit Loop, which really combines two of my favorite things. You got a nice, easy country bike ride and fresh fruit. It's about 40 miles of mostly low traffic country roads, which actually take you by over 30 different fruit farm stands, orchards, wineries and a bunch of other points of interest. It's a great, real mellow country bike ride. You'll visit some of the small towns in the area, which all have pretty good meal options. It's really just a great like day-long ride.
0: Yeah, and eating at the same time—that sounds fantastic. I haven't done that one. Yeah, and
1: it's it's really different depending on what season you go. If you go during berry season, you'll have great berry smoothies. You go during apple season, some folks will you know have some apple pies out there. I mean, really, it's hard to go wrong.
0: The cherries are pretty famous out
1: there too, aren't they? Yep. Yeah, I mean, they're they grow pretty much anything you can name out there. So pears, apples, cherries.
0: So side trip, uh, side story on on the whole fruit thing. Um, my family actually came to Oregon during the 1800s. And it was because of the fruit industry that was growing out in the Hood River Valley. And they were these mechanical engineers from Illinois. And they invented something called the apple sorter, which was very helpful because they could like sort the different apples into different baskets without a person actually having to do it. So that's how my family ended up in Oregon. And I love telling that story because people are like, yeah,
1: Pioneer's this was the Zacharnas Flex Hour.
0: <laughs> I'm just saying, it's like <laughs>
1: Oregon bona fides. Right I'm just there. saying,
0: like if, if if you ever need to prove like you're an Oregonian, I just tell that story, and people are
1: like, "Oh, cool." There you go. All right, what's your uh, next pick?
0: Yeah. So my final pick is going to be Catherine Creek. I know that I talked about my Oregon bona fides, but I'm once again taking us to the Washington side. Welcome of the to the Explore
1: Washington podcast. Come on
0: now. So it, the Catherine Creek area is a famous wildflower hike. Again, five minutes from Hood River that takes you through these towering basalt formations and canyons, you know, past these old homesteads with great views of Mount Hood. There's more types of wildflowers than you can count um, that bloom primarily from March into May. Everything about this hike is super cool. It can be short, it can be longer, good for kids, good for adventures. It's just one of my favorite hikes overall anywhere and it's at its best during the spring.
1: Well, that's about all the time we have left for in this micro edition of the Explore Oregon podcast. As always, if you like what you heard, head on over to statesmanjournal.com slash explore to find old episodes. You can also subscribe in your platform of choice like Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or even Spotify. And now we'd like to end with a message from our sponsor.
0: The following message is brought to you by the American Forest Resource Council. Did you know the Northwest forest sector applies cutting-edge technology to utilize every wood fiber possible? Residual material from saw logs, such as bark, wood chips, and sawdust, are often converted to pulp to make paper products. Today's sawmills also use residuals to create renewable power for their own facilities and even sell energy to local utilities to power thousands of homes in their communities. AFRC stands for Sustainable Forests and Healthy Communities. Learn more at amforests.org.
1: Thanks for listening.